DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Aaron Falk. He's a writer for utahjazz.com. He's living and working in the bubble in Orlando. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Curious minds, inquiring minds want to know what life is like in the bubble. And I guess the first thing is, you know, is there enough to do? Your normal routine is disrupted. You're you're living in the bubble. I mean, is it to the point you're actually looking forward to talking to us because you just got nothing to do and you need to fill the time? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm always looking forward to talking to you guys. It doesn't matter. So, um, I you know, I think you know we're we're just over a week into this. Um, I'm sure you know there are going to be days when when guys are bored out of their minds, but you know, the thing that everyone, all the players keep coming back to is like, this feels like a really long AAU trip. Everybody's stuck in, in one place. Um, you know, there are a couple of restaurants and, and bars here. I'm looking out on the, uh, the grounds, um, on the NBA campus where we are, which is, you know, there's, there's like a mile running track around this thing. And then I'm looking out at some, uh, cornhole and spike ball and big Jenga and uh, oversized connect four games and and there's a players only lounge. I mean, there there are things to do. There's no doubt. There's going to be times where it's you know like you're going to go a little stir crazy, have that sort of uh, you know captive island kind of stir craziness, and then but you know right now everybody seems in pretty good spirits. So last week, I ventured out of the state for the first time since I was called back from Las Vegas in March covering conference basketball tournaments, and that was a weird feeling in Vegas at the time, and driving home, it was sort of weird. And then the last week, I went down to California, and we checked into a hotel, and as we're walking down the uh, hallway, there's nobody there. It's like 9 o'clock at night. And I said to my wife, man, this really feels weird. And she said, yeah, it does. I'm wondering for you guys, how weird does this feel? Uh, it, it's it's pretty weird. I mean, it's starting to get a little more normal. Um, but just the, you know, from the from the very beginning, just going back to, to the airport for the first time and, and getting on a plane, even though it's, something you know it's the same plane and the, the sort of the same feel as before just getting there sitting down everyone masked up um and just sort of unsure about uh you know what what's going to happen where we're going um that being said uh, i really do feel like as as it settles in just to be able to see all like you know there are i think six or seven other teams that will be in this hotel and there are three hotels right now um that the NBA is using here in Orlando, um, just being able to see all of those people and everybody in the in the same situation um, has has loosened things up a little bit. But yeah, just the, the the initial feeling of getting on that plane, coming here, pulling into um, this you know in the, in the middle of what would be heavy tourism season in Orlando, no doubt, to an empty uh, Disney World hotel was a very very strange feeling. Um, and, you know, now you just sort of uh, adjust. Same thing as everybody else is doing with all aspects of their lives. You kind of figure out uh, what you can do, what you can't do, and, and you adjust to uh, the new normal, as we are so want to say these days. So uh, we understand there's uh, very little media there, and I think some of the media there is quarantining. You don't 
I assume you don't really hang out with the players and the staff. Who do you hang out with, or are you the rare person in the bubble and you're kind of on your own? Um, no, there, there's a, a decent, you know, I mean, a decent camaraderie within um, the the staff that I'm that I'm here with. Um, you know, everybody everybody seems to get along pretty well, and and you know, you're you're going from practice back to the hotel. There are some meetings testing meals um you know everybody yeah hangs out I, we were playing um uno last night by by this lake and uh with, with you know staff and players and everybody kind of just ha- having a, a a decent time um cutting loose because today is a, a uh an off day and so yeah there's there's you know plenty of you like you said there are uh, media under quarantine d- different beat writers who are inside this uh they call it tier one of the bubble who will be, you know, on the same hotel grounds and they're, they're going through a week long quarantine right now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, every, everybody's still hanging out. So it's, it's kind of business as usual on the road. When you're, when you're traveling with the same people over and over and over again, all, all year long, you kind of, uh, you know, you form your, your friendships and your clicks and, and, uh, that sort of a thing. So just, just sort of business as usual in that regard. Uh, Uno is a highly sophisticated game. I was never able to grasp the concepts of how to win that. How were you able to do that? You know, uh, cunning and uh, <laughs> cheating. Yeah, um, the good know, lot, stuff. There was some, some some dispute over over the rules, whether it was a, a match and play, match and go situation. You know, how many how many of these threes can I discard at once? But uh, you, know, you figure it out. Very controversial, Uno. Too, I've, you know, I've had some long-standing friendships that we no longer speak to each other because of a game of Uno. So, I would advise you to, you know, use trepidation and caution. Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. There was uh, <laughs> an a-, a-, a mandate to not bring any risk or or any board games that might actually cause, you know, lead to physical fights. So. One of the things that, uh, you know, we have Joe Ingles on every week, and a few weeks back I brought up the idea of, hey, no one is really counting on you guys to do much of anything in during these games and then in the postseason when we get to that point. And who's, count, who's saying that? You know, he jumped me pretty quick. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good because I want guys to play with chips on their shoulders. And this idea of uh, that Bogdanovich isn't there was a list of the teams that they were ranking the teams, factoring in the injuries or players who were opting out. And of the 22 teams, they had the Jazz 22nd. I thought, you got to be kidding me. That, that just seems ridiculous. So we brought that to his attention. My thought for you, have you been able to notice any ter- any form of uh, uh, motivation, chip on shoulder, that type of thing, knowing that these guys aren't expected to be there that long because they're losing a guy who puts in 20 points a game? Uh, the the thing that I've noticed um, in, in, you know, was, would be encouraged by from, from a fan standpoint is you know, like like you said, this is this is a, a kind of a weird setup, and I'm sure there was there was hesitation on on part of many people to to initially you know kind of wrap their heads around coming here and during during such a strange time leaving family, um, kind of up, uprooting their their lives and, and coming here and and the sense I get is like, well, we did it, we are here, now let's make some noise. Like if we're going to do this, let's do this. Let's not let's not be uh, someone that's just here to, to check the box and collect a paycheck. Like if we're if we're here, we're going to play. And I I think you know of course losing Boyan hurts. Um, there's 
we're still waiting for kind of, you know, it seems like Mike Conley's name keeps getting brought up as someone who's going to have the ball in his hand more, going to have more opportunities, someone who's been um, working out and had good facilities at, at his home throughout this uh, quarantine and isolation. Um, but I, I, you know, I, t- I, I get a good sense of, of optimism and, um, and desire from the players on this team. And then the other thing is, I mean, this is, this is absolutely and truly unprecedented. And I don't think it's just a matter of, you know, looking at the trends and, and seeing, you know, where, where guys were and where teams were in March. Like, this is, this is wild. And, I, and if you have a really solid idea of what's going to happen, then you are much, much smarter than, than I am. Um, I, I think right now it is really wide open because there's a, you know, do people want to get out of here? Will people be rusty? Will people will there be injuries? Like there, there are so many things that are going to happen, or could happen, I should say. That you know, I I, I really feel like it's wide, wide open. You know, the thing when you uh, <clears throat> and, and this doesn't work exactly because Conley and Bogdanovich, you know, both start and play different positions. But the thing I've always heard, and and after being told it, I've observed it, and I found it to be largely true, but not. Ex- not not perfectly, not not hundred percent of all cases, but a lot of times coaches will tell you, uh, I believe in the ability of the backup to raise his game, take the opportunity, and if not do what the starter did, you know, do eighty five percent of what the starter did. But then you're asking the third string guy to become the backup, and that leads to a lot of doubt. And other coaches in other situation will tell you hey, when that guy plays who doesn't normally play, we are going to attack him. And they crush him, especially at the NBA level where it's so much about matchups. So it's not so much who steps in for Bogdanovich, but who steps in for that player. Uh, you know, and if it is Conley, you know, if Conley instead of 15 points a game starts scoring 20 a game like Bogdanovich did, that's great. But who scores the 15 that Conley used to score? Do you have... Uh, more or less faith or more or less of an expectation and who might perform that role, especially positionless basketball, because it doesn't have to be one specific guy. It could be one out of several. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it is it is a, a fair point and, and a good question. Um, the thing that, I, that I'll probably, you know, that I, we'll wait and see is is just how, how deep um, Quinn Snyder is going to go in, in his rotations. It's um, It's so... Like I said, such a strange time, and, and how how fit are guys? Um, what you know, it's, right now everybody seems in, in really good shape, despite sort of the limitations of of their kind of equ- access to equipment, etc. Gyms um, during the last few months. So, I mean, how, how deep do teams have to go? That that might be, be the answer to that question. But if you look at it, you know. I, th- I think everyone here is going to be extremely confident in what Royce O'Neal can do, what Joe Ingles can do, what Mike Conley can do, um, what Jordan Clarkson can do. And, you know, in, in his moments, Emmanuel Moutier, he's he's big, strong, athletic guy. And, and, and there is some size there that can that can make up for the loss of, of Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, there are, sure, at a certain point, you, you will start to have questions about how deep you can go. But if, if it comes playoff time, guys are in good shape, they're healthy, and you can still keep that rotation tight, it maybe it doesn't matter quite as much. So, you know, the drama that was Gobert and Mitchell, uh, my thought is once you get out on the floor, those things will settle a little bit. Have you been able to observe anything? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know they they both said their piece, and I'll, I'll let that stand in, in terms of of where they are. I mean, both said we can, you know, there there were some frustrations, but we're both professionals, and and you know we're gonna we're gonna make this work on the on the floor. And yeah, the the um, practices I've I've obs- I've observed, excuse me, and uh, and you know even even off the court, they're talking, they're they're figuring things out in terms of. You know, strategy and, and what they want to do, and and you know they're they're both feeding each other the ball, and and uh, and and they both look really sharp, actually. Do you have any? Uh, I mean, we're we're talking about Bogdanovich missing, but of the other teams that are missing some guys, do you have any uh, any questions more or less about them? I mean, going going through, you know, the, the Lakers obviously take a take a big hit to to lose Avery Bradley who was playing really well and then to add Rondo's injury on hand injury on top of that um you know it's it's that being said they still have LeBron James um it will James Harden just got back it got here last night it looks like the Nuggets are at full strength I mean there, there's there's a lot of talent I I think I'm, I don't know I don't know that one in the west stands out as as um, truly disadvantaged right now, other than to have the Lakers lose a couple of of defenders and, and ball handlers like that certainly hurts. But they're obviously still an extremely, extremely talented team. Any team with LeBron James has a chance. So, if you see someone violating the rules, what are you going to do? If I see someone violating the rules, yes, uh, I am. I am going to keep that to myself uh in terms of what i'm going to do uh, no I, I don't i don't think right now i mean these these guys are aware to see what happened with with rashawn holmes of, of sacramento and to see you know like the first to, to be in your room for in quarantine for 48 hours here was obnoxious enough if you violate the rules in our cut and you're going back for a full week 10 days whatever it is that is that is that puts the fear of God, and I think in a lot of people. So um, I I don't anticipate there are going to be a lot of big issues like that. I I really don't. Do you see a lot of people from other teams, or do they have the teams separated out enough that you you know you see your own group, but you don't see the you don't see the Eastern Conference? <laughs> um, no, you, you, like you you definitely do see uh, every, everybody who's here at this hotel. You'll see, you know, Giannis walking in the hallway, J.R. Smith in the gift shop. Um, like there, there is some interaction. There, like I said, I think there's seven or eight teams here, um, and it's it's definitely small enough that you're gonna you're gonna cross paths with guys from different teams. There, that being said, there's a lot of directive to, uh, you know, try to limit your your interaction with people outside of your immediate team just just for safety reasons um you know everybody's in a mask everybody's got uh every all staff have these beepers that will alert you if you are too close to someone that's not in your party for too long um so yeah you're 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 definitely crossing paths but it, it is encouraged to sort of limit the amount of time you spend with people outside of the immediate group when everything gets started here, as far as I know, realize it's going on from your perspective now, but in terms of broadcasting the games, how much activism do you anticipate there being? Uh, you know, quite quite a bit. I, I I do believe 
the guys that that were concerned about um, coming back here and and playing being a, a distraction to those social justice um, movements are sincere and 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 like concerned about about losing that momentum and concerned about being a distraction and to that end um yeah i do think you will see a lot of things far above and beyond um just putting the messaging on the on the back of jerseys which is uh a a nice um you know small step but but people want to apply actions to to this not just not just words and and uh and messaging so yeah i i think absolutely if you if you have this opportunity and, and want to see that change, um, which which guys do, this you know to take advantage to the fullest, and I, I think you will see guys do a lot of different things. Aaron Falk joining us, writer for UtahJazz.com. He's living and working in the bubble. So the working part of this, what what stories have you already done? What stories have you maybe done interviews for, but you haven't written and, and posted on the website yet? What kind of things are you mulling over? You might do in the future. Where where are you going with the work part of this? <laughs> Uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out a, a lot of things. It's it's um, because there is just one person. You know, the the team travels with sixty people um, to a normal road game, and right now we're at that thirty five. And I'm sort of a a one man band in a lot of ways, doing things that I wouldn't usually do: taking photos, videos, um, trying to feed you know our our social channels, trying to set up our our podcast down here. Um, there's a lot of, lot of things going on. Um, but yeah, we are, uh, we've got, we've got some ideas in, in the works and, and as, as this goes on, we will be rolling everything out on utahjazz.com and, and our, our channels. But, um, yeah, right now just trying to, to get my, trying to, trying to figure out how to be a photographer, even though I'm absolutely not one. So you feel any pressure because you're sort of the eyes and the ears right now of uh, the entire media as far as the jazz go. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, definitely feel you want to do a good job. You want to be able to uh, to capture such a, a momentous and, and historic thing um, accurately and well. And and uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel would feel that pressure probably to, to do a good job regardless, but. To, to be alone and, and and you know like like you said there will be other media here um, I think even you know media from Salt Lake will be coming in um, not into this immediate tier one of the bubble but will be you know there for games etc and and um, you know guys are still doing interviews via zoom back to all the beat writers um, back home and and so there there are these you know there's there's still obviously a lot of stories coming out of here through through all these other channels but yeah it's uh yeah, I, I definitely, you know, you, you want to you want to be able to show people what's going on. You want to be able to, uh, when we look back on this, you know, in a year, ten years, whatever. Like a lot of guys have, have already said, they they feel like they're in in. Uh, they recognize this is a thirty for thirty. Like this this is going to be a documentary for, you know, for, for somebody on at some level. This is a, a just it's so bizarre and, and so interesting that yeah, you you definitely want to do a good job. Well, Aaron, good luck with the uh, with the isolation and the bubble. You know, I, I appreciate that, PK. If you have any more Uno tips, you know, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll that's, do. That's why DMs exist. <laughs> Later, guys. Upgrade your Uno game. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Bye, Aaron Falk. <laughs> 
Rights to the Utah Jazz at utahjazz.com. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're talking football next. Jason Buck joins us, former Outland Trophy winner at BYU. Talk some college football with him, expectations uh, for that, and of course also about the NFL. Played for the Super Bowl champion Washington Redskins on the way to one of their three Super Bowl titles. And of course that nickname is gone. They are waiting for the new nickname. Nickname All Things Football with Jason Buck. Next, stay with us. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back to basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zion's Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Houston Rockets guard James Harden arrived in Orlando five days after the team flew in. Franchise does not disclose the reason for his delay. Uh, Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic cleared quarantine in Orlando. He's officially rejoined his teammates inside the bubble. Sacramento Kings forward Harrison Barnes announced he's tested positive for COVID-19. He's been quarantining. He says he's asymptomatic. Newly signed Brooklyn Nets forward Michael Beasley has left the NBA bubble after testing positive for COVID-19. He'd been signed as a substitute player on July 9th. Unknown if he will rejoin the team in Orlando. That's your Back to Basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Look at how negatively BYU's defense is impacted with the inability to rush a quarterback. To have a guy that can work a pass rush against five linemen and get there is worth their weight in gold. BYU's got to figure this out, man. You can't go through another year like this. I just don't know if I'm looking at that BYU roster who that guy's going to be. The only guy that could do it is Tonga in the middle. You know, when you think about Utah, they've got two or three different guys that they can throw in the middle to get the press. I'm going to make a very bold prediction. If we do have an entire football season or if we do have any parts of a a football season, I'll bet Van Fillinger has more sacks than any one of BYU's individual players. He, right now, is better at rushing the quarterback than anybody BYU's got on roster. And he's just a true freshman. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Jason Buck. Former Allen Trophy winner at BYU, a Super Bowl champ with the Washington Redskins. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Big DJ. We have many things to discuss with you, but since I just introduced you as a Super Bowl champion with the Washington Redskins, do you have uh, a lot of emotional investment in that nickname? Is this something you think about? Or, hey, it was time to change just a while ago. Just move on. Who cares? I got the ring. I can still call and text my teammates. The memories never change. What are you thinking as you hear all this play out in Washington? Well, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, I'll, well, the memories will never change. And my teammates were a family forever, and I, I think we're all frustrated with it. it. It breaks our hearts. You know, I was just at a reunion a couple of years ago. You know, they have a manually out there, and we're just one big family. And, you know, I talked to Snyder personally, you know, a couple of years ago, and he promised me he'd never change that name. So, you know, I understand the pressure he's under from FedEx and the corporations, but, man, this this just really sucks to see politics get involved in sports. I just hate politics get involved in sports. I don't think it ever has a place there. And, 
and you know the cancel culture wins another one man it's it's really frustrating were you there when uh Cashley was there yeah charlie yep yep he was my guy he's my cousin my grandmother what? yeah my charlie grandmother's Caffrey. uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure My grandmother's is. a Casserly. Yeah. Wow. My grandmother's maiden name was Casserly. Yeah. <laughs> so. No way. What a small world. <laughs> yeah. You know, Charlie, no, he was great. And he loves me, of course. That's one of the reasons I was at the Redskins. And, yeah, I, I see Charlie once in a while, you know, at the reunions. But, yeah, I was part of that so great I'm, organization with Joe Gibbs and Joe Bugle and, you know, all those kind of guys and, of course, Jack Kent Cook was the owner back then, but it's it, it just stinks. I mean, they're Americana. They're part of, you know, the Cowboys and the Packers and, you know, just the, you know, we sang that song, Hello Redskins, since 1936 or 37. You know, it's just, it was just such a source of pride for the community and the country, and it really stinks to, to see it go. That's what I was going to ask you. Can you explain what that franchise has meant to that community? Because obviously, if you've been back there, you know what it's about. Oh, man. If, if anybody is in Washington, D.C., they know how much the Redskins means to that community. I mean, it's, it evolves around that entire area. And when you go uh, to Washington, D.C., and when you're winning like we did, you know, in that. That last Super Bowl is absolutely on fire. And I go back still, you know, being so many years and people know me and remember me. And it's just that is so uh, such a part of the culture of Washington, D.C. and that whole seaboard over there. Do you still go back to RFK? Because, of course, uh, you know, they, they were playing soccer there until about a year ago, and I called a game there, and I thought of you, but I got to say, the place was so run down. There were all kinds of jokes about raccoons driving trucks and rats getting on logs because there was a huge rainstorm, and it flooded the whole field. The, the dugout, that tunnel in the dugout, you probably walked through a couple gazillion oh, times, yeah. had four feet of water on it. The line of goo on the side of the wall when the water receded, you could see how much water was in there. It was just, but you still go back there and the memories, who cares that it's not what it was? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is part of your memories. We, and I drive, I drive, I driven by it a couple of years ago. And of course, you don't go back in that neighborhood very often because it's a tough part of town. And uh, we always joked about it when I was playing there that, you know, keep your, keep your doors locked, watch for carjackers. You're ready to use your car as a weapon to get through there. You know, there was a murder in the stadium, you know, the last year. I mean, I got all those stories when I first claimed to, came to play for the Redskins, right? Because we, we were 30 miles. Our practice facilities were out, you know, in Ashburn. So we just drive in for the game. It was always crazy. But it had so much tradition. When you went in there, guys, I mean, it played the Cowboys on Sunday night or Monday night. And RFK was full, and you'd sit there on the field, you know, when you're warming up, and and you look in, you could look through the bleachers, right, and see the wooden frame underneath, and the crowd would get going, and you stood all three hours at RFK, nobody sat down, and the, the you look through and see the 
stadium just rock. It would literally just shake and and rock up and down with the people, you know, cheering in the games. It was it was an unbelievable experience. So it's you know it's it's it was an awesome place to play. But you're right, it stinks to see it run down in time, and it's just kind of one of those inner city stories like Detroit or the rundown cities that just don't take care of themselves and you see something like that fade. But I got to play there in some great, great times. Do you have a preference on what you would like to see the new name? Oh, dude, it makes me sick to even think about it. <laughs> I, I will always be a Redskin. I'll die a Redskin. And whenever I talk about the team, it'll still be the Redskins. I don't care what they name it, you know. I mean, the Houston Oilers are gone, and you know now they're the Titans. And But uh, I hope they come up with something good. I'll always, I, you know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make enough money someday to buy the Redskins franchise and rename it the Redskins <laughs> and put it in their face. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully it's something nice and tough that, uh, you know, the Buckster can live with, right? So as a former football player and then your kids played football and all that, um, what do you think about the upcoming football season? And do you think differently for the college the college players and and the pros. You know, I really think I know this is kind of crazy, but you know, you look at it. I, I wish the NFL would have been ahead of this, you know, coronavirus um, thing, which which is hard for everybody to. You know, science changes every day. It seems like on it, but I wish they would have just taken the guys back in the spring and uh, locked them all up the organization up and like they do in a camp scenario and exposed everybody to COVID-19 and got, they're all young athletes with strong immune systems and just get the dang thing over with and have herd immunity on the, on the players and let them go out and play the, be ready to play the season. But, uh, you know, if everybody have to have masks in the stadium, fine. And, you know, uh, laser readings at the front for temperature checks and so on and play a little defense, but I'd love to see him just fill those stadiums like America needs to with healthy people and protect the high risk and so forth with some common sense, but man, we got to function as a society and go forward. So I'd, I'd like to see the stadiums full of good, healthy people and go play football. It's part of America. It's part of our economy. It's our you know emotion or our heart and i just i just think we need to do it so i know it'll change a little bit but we ought to battle through it in my opinion you know college football it didn't surprise me at all to see the conferences drop the you know non-conference games of course you can see that one coming so you know byu independence is in huge trouble which is no surprise, unfortunately. I always disliked independence, and and now they got to really scramble. So I, I just hope political correctness and all that kind of craziness doesn't get in the way. We America needs the game in college and pro. So you've referenced politics a couple of times. You would prefer no politics involved in sports whatsoever. I take it. Oh, absolutely. I, I wish they'd keep sports, whether it's the Olympics or any sports at all, as a sacred place. You know, when I say that, whether it's a soccer stadium or a football stadium, 
you know, I, I think of football as that, you know, that pure place. When we came into that huddle, whether it was at the Bengals or the Redskins or wherever, you'd, you you came in with guys from black, white, and brown, every religion in the United States of America, and guys from the West Coast and East Coast and Deep South and Midwest farms and inner cities, as different of men as you could ever have on the planet put together in that locker room. And you know what? We found a way to put all that crap aside and walk into that, come into that huddle as brothers, loving each other, fighting and dying for each other in that moment of battle on the field. And all the other stuff was put aside and left in the locker room. And that's the way I felt, you know, when sports is done purely and we fill in those stadiums, RFK or Cowboy Stadium, FedEx Field, whatever, it's similar for the fans. They come into that field in black, white, and brown and whatever religion and and come in on the stadiums and we're all American people, you know, there for one cause and just a, in a pure state and leaving all that world behind us. And we're all one in that experience. And I just... I think sports need to stay pure, leave the uh, leave the politics and the other things for Monday through Friday, and and stop using the football field as a platform to for divide America and everybody take a side and be offended and ticked off as soon as they someone on the field does something. Leave the sport clean and pure, and use it to unify America like it should, and you know do their uh, community service and their political platforms Monday through Friday. And uh, so we're all passionate about those things in our lives, but man, leave the, leave the weekend and the, the game alone where we can all become one. And that's, I think that's the way it should be. Your shoulders will never allow you to play again, Jason, but we can just hear you right now. You just, you want to put a helmet on and get in a huddle like in 15 minutes. You know, oh. you, you don't even want to wait. You don't even want to wait for, for, for noon. You know, you, you want to go no. now. And I did, no. I, I do remember seeing you coaching in high school on the sideline at Lone Peak, you know, when your kids were of that age and you were just all sorts of fired up. It was, it was awesome to see. You, ever, you, you got any plans in that area going forward or no? I mean, it would oh. give you something to associate, you know, with the game. The closer you get to it, the better you'll feel. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, you know, and I always coach and I coached my sons there at Lone Peak and, and now I coach my grandson, my oldest grandson out in Chicago in the fall and he's an eighth grader and, you know, I've been having fun with all my Chicago boys out there. And you know, I, I was an intern with the Redskins, uh, you know, a couple of years ago trying to get back into the NFL. I, DJ, I had a dream the other night that was one of the most vivid, crazy dreams. And I'm walking through you know, the uh, underneath the stadium with a bunch of NFL guys. And I was, they're all turning and talking to me and I'm in my gear. I'm in my NFL gears, like Redskins. And all these young players are turning and going, wow, you're 56 years old and playing in the NFL. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'm this big stallion guy in my pads at 56 playing in the NFL. It was like, it was the most real thing there was. It was just, I wake up and I'm like, oh, fuck. That was so funny. But yeah, I, I, I got coach. If it was the right situation again, I try. I talked to Andy Reid and, and you know, you got to go coach for free for a couple of years in the league before you can get in, you know, into the staff. And it's difficult. I've tried to get on BYU a couple of times and it's always, you know, political and you're turned away for other reasons. And, you know, 
Kalani just told me flat out I wouldn't hire me as a D-line coach because I'm not Polynesian. I mean, I've, I've had, I've tried, <laughs> I've tried, but uh, I'll, I'll always be a part of the game. It'll be a part of my life and my family forever. Jason Buck joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, Jason, good luck. Find a way to integrate well, football into your life somehow. Thanks, brother. It'll always be part of my life and my family, and I think it's just a great American game. I, I pray they find a way to uh, get the politics out of the game. Um, you know, Maverick, I'm just I'm sitting down right now and – well, started last night actually writing a letter to Roger Goodell and Snyder and Mike Brown, you know, the guys that I know well in the in the league and really on this whole subject of politics in the league and a way to keep it keep it out of the NFL. I just I believe it's the wrong direction to go. And uh it needs to be a place, a safe place for all Americans where we can go and love the game together no matter our you know, our race or creed and, and be Americans. And uh, I just really believe that. It was my great love watching the Ice Bowl and those type of things with Cowboys and Packers in the 60s as a little boy. I dreamed of playing the game out on that farm in Michigan. And and to watch it get politicized kills me. So I hope they return to the old NFL and just pure America. Are you going to run for office again? <laughs> That's brutal, man. That was a brutal experience running for Congress. I, I did my big stand for the Constitution for my kids so they could see it, but that was a tough experience. Here, here it is. You're with all these little pencil necks, right? And they're just the biggest nerds in the world that think they're the smartest people in the world. And you come into the room and they all hate you because you're this giant. And I can't beat anybody up like I can in football. <laughs> So it doesn't work very good for me. <laughs> I can't. I can't go up to somebody and say, "Hey, you little commie!" Bam. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. No more politics for me. If anything, it'd be coaching. I, I love the game and love the kids and love changing lives and and you know inspiring them to you know play that game the way we did. And uh, you know, football's my life. So if anything, it'd be football. Well, Jason, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thanks, DJ. All right. PK. Jason Buck, right. former Outland Trophy winner at BYU and a longtime NFL player. A couple trips to the Super Bowl, won one and lost one. He joins us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We just had Jason Buck on, and before we go to any of the specific stuff, PK, um, and especially considering, you know, some of the segments over the last couple of weeks or so, 
you know, I don't agree with everything Jason Buck says, but I'm not comfortable doing a show where you only bring on people that you agree with. That That's not the whole point, you know? And so some of the stuff, I, I, I've known him a long time. Uh, I knew... I knew of him as a player because I didn't live here. I didn't work here when he was in college. And then he was off in the NFL. Uh, but he's always liked to do media stuff. And, and when I started booking, talking sports in the late 90s, by then he was done playing. And he would come on. And the thing we have in common is the passion for football, right? He clearly loves it. Having said that, I haven't checked social media, but I can imagine there's a few things out there after that segment. Anywhere you'd like to jump in? Is PK with us or is he talking to just himself right now, Yak? Yak was just talking about the, uh, we've got a, we've got a new board in an auxiliary studio and it's an adventure for Yak. <laughs> Yak's looking at me like. It shows he should be there. Oh, so really? Let me make some calls. All right. All right. Uh, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You got, you got him or no? All right, Yak. Yak, why don't you go to, send us to break, Yak, and we'll figure this out and we'll come back. All right. All right. DJ and PK, we were late. We were late anyway. We've been late for an hour. You've been looking at me funny. So, yes, it's technical difficulties, but this will give you a chance to get back on clock. You'll at least feel good about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone.